0: How do you feel about the future? As we see things going on in our country, it may cause us to have a little bit of concern, you know, the natural disasters, the violence that's taking place, and then the elections that are going on and, and the concern that people have that, well, things are just going to be worse. So there's a lot of pessimism, I think, among people as to what the future is going to be like but what do you think about your future? How do you feel about that? In addition to all the things that are going on in the world around us, maybe there are some other things that are going on in in your life, too. And it maybe causes you a little bit of worry or concern. As we are at the week of Thanksgiving, and we reflect back on all the things that have happened and are going on, and probably things that are going to happen, we might wonder, how is it that we can be thankful? Or what do I have to be thankful for? But if we would just stop and, and, and put all those things that are going on into the view of God's plans for the world and for us, we would have reason to be thankful. So today, continuing with our series of I am thankful, today we're going to talk about being thankful for God's plans. Those plans are so beautifully summarized for us by the prophet Daniel toward the end of his book. Here's what he said. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life Others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Now, when we think of Daniel from the Bible, what comes to mind are probably some of those familiar stories we had in Sunday school maybe Daniel in the lion's den, and how he was kept safe by the Lord. Or his three compatriots who were thrown into that fiery furnace because they refused the king's order to bow down and worship an idol statue that he had set up in town. But they too were kept safe. What well, we may not realize that in the book of Daniel, there's a series of prophecies that have to do with the history of the world, most of which those prophecies are connected to things that would affect God's people. Now, most of those prophecies have already been fulfilled. They were simply talking about what would happen in world events and how those things would affect God's people from Daniel's day until the time of Jesus. But there are also some prophecies in there that are to you and me. That one I just read, for example, talks about it. It talks about what God's plan is for us. And at the the end of a long section that maybe sounds kind of terrifying, Daniel gives us those very encouraging words. We're going to study them today because today is called Saints' Triumphant Day. At the end of the church here, we we talk about the gathering of God's people. And we did a few weeks ago, and we're thankful for God's people. And then we're reminded of what Jesus said would happen in the last days. And we looked at that last week, and we're thankful for God's promises. But today we're going to realize that God is working his plan in this world, and it's a plan to bring his people triumph. So let's take a look at those words And see why we have a reason to be thankful. And the first is because they alert us to the trouble that's in this world. You know, our minds have been on the terrible tragedy with the fires that is happening. We probably think if only the people had been warned earlier. If only they knew of a way to quickly escape. If only there was some way to prevent that stuff from happening or, or quickly put it out. I'm sure the people who did hear the warnings and get out and are safe are thankful. And so it is that when we look at the things that Jesus tells us about the troubles that are going to come in this world, it's a reminder to us to be prepared to look for that way of escape and to be thankful. Daniel used the word distress. He said there's going to come a time when there is great distress in this world such as has never been seen before. Now we can look around in the world and see a lot of things going on, even in our own backyards perhaps. And think we're in a time of great distress. All these natural disasters and the death and destruction, the worry that people have. We think of some of the violent things that are happening in our country and around the world, nations fighting, all those things. And in fact, it probably reminds us of the list that Jesus gave us about things that would happen toward the end of time. Jesus said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. But the time had not come yet. So this is part of the great distress that Jesus was, that Daniel was talking about. But it's interesting to note that Jesus prefaced these words with this warning. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. And after he gave that list of signs that are going to happen in this world, Jesus also gave this warning. He said, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. He's talking to his disciples. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. What Jesus was warning us about was not only the distress that we see in physical things that happen around us, but also the great deception that, could t- that will take place. That there will be people out there who are denying and deceiving, getting people away from the truth and falling from faith. In fact, Jesus said, the deception will be so great, so that if it were possible, even the elect could be deceived and fall away. But the elect won't, because God will protect them. But you see, we have a reason to be thankful, even for a notice about these alerts of trouble, so that we are not deceived. But Daniel also promised us deliverance. He said, At that time of great distress, God's people will be delivered. Now, he gives us two reasons that give us assurance of that. Listen to his words again. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. But at that time, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. So the two reasons he gives us for certainty of being delivered are first, he said, Michael the great prince will arise. Now who's he talking about? Well, the only Michael who's a great prince or ruler or powerful person that's mentioned in the scriptures is Michael the archangel. In the book of Revelation, we're told that it was Michael who stood up to the devil and his followers. And Michael, with his army of angels, defeated the devil and cast him out of heaven. We're also told in the book of Daniel that it's Michael who was, let's say, working behind the scenes in world government to keep God's people safe. And so now, God tells us that Michael will arise again and, presumably, work behind the scenes to keep God's people safe once again. So that whatever is going on in world powers, God is there controlling it. Now exactly what is he doing? Don't know because he doesn't say it just gives us the assurance, Michael arises and uses his power to protect God's people. So that's the first reason we can have assurance. The second is because of that phrase that we will, their names will be found in the book. Now, the book that he is referring to is the book of life. That's a phrase that was used already in the beginning of the Bible, throughout the Bible, and already is found at the end of the Bible. Here's an example of it. In the book of Psalms, it says, May they, that's the wicked, be blotted out from the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. So the book of life contains contains the names of those who are righteous in God's sight. Now how is it that we are righteous in God's sight? Well, the book of Revelation tells us that. Jesus refers to the book of life. He says, The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Those who are dressed in white. That was the Bible's way of talking about how God sees us. He sees us as pure because he has covered us with the righteousness of Jesus. You see, all along, this has been God's plan. Before the world was even created, God had planned for us, who he knew would fall away from him in sin, that he would save us by sending his holy son into the world to live perfectly for us and to give us that righteousness by our faith in him. And that the punishment, that the penalty that we deserve for our sin, death, would be suffered by his son instead. So that you and I would be free from that penalty. And as his son rose from the dead, so we too would rise. So that's God's assurance for us. That those who are righteous by faith have their name written in the book of life and it will not be erased. So no matter what is going on in this world, nothing is going to erase our name from God's book of life. Another passage at the end of the Bible, Jesus assures us of this. Nothing impure will ever enter it. He was talking about heaven. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book life. So as we look around and see all the things that are happening in our world, what's going through your head? Maybe you're thinking of that list of things that Jesus gave us and thinking, yeah, we're living in the end times. (laughs) Probably are. But just note this, that it's probably also going to get a lot worse. Now, maybe that strikes a little bit of fear or concern in us. And so maybe we're thinking, well, maybe Jesus is going to be coming back soon. And he could very well be. But Jesus tells us, don't be looking at a calendar to try to figure out why I'm coming, when I'm coming. Instead, simply look to his word. Listen to what he promises. Listen to his plan and rely on that. Have faith. In what he says and when that happens the fear will disappear and we'll replace it with rejoicing because we have that promise we're in the book of life now if you've been listening to the news you've probably heard that for the last couple of weeks there are some elections in our country that Still, have not been decided. There's some uncertainty about it because of the way ballots were filled out or where the way they were counted or whatever might be. There's just some election uncertainty. Listen, there's no uncertainty regarding your election. There's no uncertainty that your name is in the book of life. You believe, you are righteous, your name is in the book. So no matter how terrible things might be around us, no matter how trying things might be that are happening in your own life, no matter how threatening things might sound, be certain of this. You will be delivered for eternal life because of Jesus' certain triumph for you. And that's why Daniel tells us you can be thankful for what he has given us in the promises of triumph for God's people. Here's what he said again. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. The triumph that he is talking about is, first of all, our resurrection. Here in this Old Testament passage and in many others, and throughout the New Testament, the resurrection of our bodies from the dead is clearly taught. Everybody, is going to be raised back to life. The good, that is the believers, and the wicked, that is the unbelievers. Jesus even taught that. He said, don't be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good, believe, will rise to live. And those who have done what is evil, will rise to be condemned." Now a few minutes ago I I told you that Jesus also told us there would be great deception that goes out in the end times. And there is great deception in our world regarding spiritual things. There are people who will deny the resurrection of the body and laugh at it. and Simply saying "It, it can't happen, it's impossible. Even though the scriptures tell us it happened. There, sadly, are even some Christian churches who are denying the resurrection. In fact, they go as far as to deny the judgment of God against the wicked. They will say that everyone's going to be led into heaven because God loves. But God clearly says that the wicked will be punished forever. Those who do not believe on Him. Look, just because something doesn't sound nice to us, just because something doesn't sound reasonable to us, doesn't mean that it should be changed. If this is what God is clearly taught in the Scriptures, then that is the truth. But God assures us, His people, of triumph. He says, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. He's talking about the glorified body that we are going to have. The Apostle Paul expanded on that when he talked about the great resurrection in chapter 15 of 1 uh, Corinthians. He said, the sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And, And stars differ from star in splendor so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, but it's raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. With that, Jesus is simply describing The glory that awaits us in the resurrection. And then there's even more. As Daniel was describing that just like star differs from star in the way it shines, so there will be different ways that we shine in heaven too. One will be in the resurrection of our bodies, but also in the reward that God gives to his people. Now, usually when we hear the word reward, we always think, of, well, you've done something to accomplish some feat, and therefore you're honored because of that. In other words, you've done something to earn it. That isn't the way we get rewards from God. The rewards from God are always based on his grace. What he promises out of his unconditional love for us. Now it says, those who are wise. What's that wisdom that makes us wise? That's simply the Bible's way of referring to believing in Jesus. Jesus talked about that when he said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. His life is firmly set. The Apostle Paul also described that wisdom. And he said, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Those who believe in Jesus have the wisdom of God. The righteousness and holiness we need from Jesus and the redemption that he bought for us with his life. Now, Daniel also said, those who lead many to righteousness will also shine like the stars. That is, God will reward us for our work. That is, for bringing others to righteousness. Now, how do we do that? Well, that's what Paul was talking about again when he said, we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Simply put, we tell people about Jesus. And God will reward that work because it brings his saving gospel to others. You see, God is simply describing for us what we can call is our eternal glory. The Bible doesn't go into great detail on it, but it just tells us that in heaven, everything is perfect. There's no suffering, there's no sorrow, there's no hungering, there's no sadness, everything is just absolutely perfect forever. Paul reminds us of that when he says, our citizenship, in other words, where we really live, is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That's what we have to look forward to. So in light of his promises, in light of God's plans, now what do you think about your future? Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It sounds pretty secure. And it is. It's glorious because of what God has planned for you. So just listen to God's Word. And when things around us or in our own life are kind of upsetting, just remind yourself of where your permanent life is and eagerly look forward. To that. This week as we celebrate Thanksgiving, we'll be counting all the blessings that God has given us in this life, and we are so blessed. But let's also put this on our list, God's plans, because they're glorious, they are eternal, and they are for you in Jesus. Amen. Sometimes we we fail to be thankful for God's plans and God's working and only see the things that we have in this life and fall short. Let's confess that to God and ask him to forgive us and renew in us a faith that trusts his plans. We do that with this prayer. Lord God, there are things happening in this world and in my life which can cause me to fear and doubt the future. Forgive me for my lack of faith in your plans. Because of your plan to save me through Jesus, I have nothing to fear. Help me live in faith. Amen. The Apostle Paul reminds us of that when he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing. That includes the forgiveness of all of our sins, even our doubts,